Well, may I tell you an absolutely 100% true story embellished only in my telling of it. Were we okay with that? All right. Joanne, just remember, I love you and you love me, and you choose to love me. But about a week ago, I witnessed my wife separate a mom and her offspring. Now, it was a family of turkeys. I pull up to the house, and I see these turkeys walking right across the front of the house, right near the front door. I call on the phone. I said, Joanne, go to the front window, thinking she's going to see this mother turkey walk by, and these little ones go by right after that. And right when the turkey gets to the front door, the window's just a few feet to the left, Joanne opens the front door wide, and the turkey starts squawking like crazy and running across the yard. The two little ones go this way, two ran the other way, two flew up on the roof of the house, and then they flew, and yes, they flew, then they flew over to the trees on the side of the property. And I was like, how are they ever going to get put back together? That's sad. And it was her. I just go, said, go to the window. I didn't say go to the door. I said, go to the window. Oh, unbelievable. But tonight, on, at 10 minutes to 7, I'm walking out to my truck coming here. And what do I see walking right up along the side was that mom and her offspring back together. So it all worked out fine. True, absolutely true story. I have picture evidence if you want to see the picture later. The mom and six little hens, you know. I, I did think about it if they stuck around long enough that, you know, they might make for good hunting, but we'll see. But anyway, uh, it's good to be here this evening. Always, uh, it, it is a, uh, it's a sobering responsibility to stand in the pulpit um, because we all recognize uh, we need God. We need the Lord to do uh, anything that's uh, of any value for us. We, myself, uh, we find that, oh boy, we can sin easily, but um, if there's anything good, then it's a work of the Lord. Uh, before we start looking at the Word of God, let me just mention one thing. Uh, John and Kelly, praise the Lord, uh, Ordonez, are going to be moving into, I think, an apartment on Saturday. Uh, so John was looking for some men who might be able to help him. So if you're able to do that, and uh, this is John over here. I don't know. Are you in here this evening, brother? You are? Yes. So I didn't know if you stay here or you head out for discipleship. Uh, but if you are in that a spot that you might be able to help with some moving of things on, uh, on Saturday, you can see John after the service this evening, and I'm sure that uh, that help would be appreciated. So a number of years ago, and I, I think it might have been right in this room, I, I, I don't recall, but I heard um, uh, Pastor Brown preach a message called Principles Make Decisions. Principles Make Decisions. Oftentimes we face so many things and, and we are like, what do I do and how do I handle this situation and, and where do I go and where do I get information? All these, all these different aspects and, and this idea of principles making decisions uh, really stuck with me. It was one of the messages uh, of, of there's probably two or three that for me I feel were almost life-changing 
messages. Obviously, getting saved, and then another one about the Christian life. I remember Pastor Peslak, and uh, uh, this one with Pastor Brown about principles make decisions. And what do I mean by that? Principles make decisions. Well, sometimes what we have to do is we establish a principle in some way, and then from that point on, the principle makes the decision. Let me uh, give you an example of one. Joanne and I got saved uh, around 1983. Well, it was in 1983. Uh, and uh, we were living just up the road here. And one Sunday morning, I decided, I don't want to get up. I'm going to sleep in. Now, I knew it was church time, and we tried to be faithful right from day one. So I laid there in bed and woke up and knew there was plenty of time to get to church. But I just said, nope, I don't have to go to church I'm going to just lay here and I'm going to relax. I'm going to fall back asleep. And uh, the Lord said, no, you're not. Now, I didn't go to church that day, but I didn't go to sleep either. I was uncomfortable. I was miserable. I was convicted. And I was like trying to fall asleep. And I, I couldn't, I'm tossing and turning and everything else. So the principle was decided. I'm never going to do that again. When church is open, I'm going to go to church. Now, that's a principle. When the church is open, I'm going to do everything I can to be in the church service. So now, when our children's soccer team said, hey, we're going to have games on Sunday morning. No, no, the principal's already decided. The principal makes the decision. No, our family goes to church on Sunday morning, so we are not going to play on that soccer team. Um, or the baseball, or the you know whatever the case may be. The principal had already been decided and now I don't have to decide anything. The principal makes the decision. Uh, we had uh, 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 some picnics and different things at our home, and the principal was that no alcohol and things would be allowed to come to our home. So when someone says, are you going to have something at your home? Well, no, the principal has already been established. We don't have to decide it because there's already a principal in place so principles make decisions. And we can take those and we can, we can expand those out uh, in, in a multitude of different ways looking so that we have those principles established. I have a principle, and I won't tell you what it is. I won't tell you the details of it, but I have a principle established that would help me to decide if I ever needed to leave White Oak Baptist Church because I'm not going to leave by emotion. I'm not going to get upset if something bothers me. I'm not going to get, you know, angry at the pastor or angry at one of my brothers. Uh, no, I have principles decided of how would I know if this is what God wants. So we look through the word of God and we find and we establish those principles. So principles make decisions. Excuse me. So we're going to look at um, ten principles uh, here this evening. Uh, simple little things. I like to take the word of God and make it applicable to me. Uh, I always say to pastors, I, I love uh, Book of James style preaching because it's like, oh, I can do that. I understand that. Book of Proverbs style preaching, you know, oh, oh, yeah, I can, I can do that little list and, 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 and learn something here. So we're going to look at those. Uh, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer just now, and then we'll look at uh, uh, ten principles for daily success. You may, you may take one or two of these and they may uh, be like, oh, okay, I understand that. Or you may pick a few more, maybe none of them. If none of them, then don't tell me. Just, you know, tell, tell someone else later on. 
because no gossiping isn't one of them. Just, you know, that you're still allowed to do that. But uh, let's bow for a word of prayer. My Father, I do thank you for an opportunity to, uh, to be here. Uh, we don't take these times lightly. Uh, but my Lord, uh, I know that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, and without you I can do nothing but fail. But Lord, we look for principles in the word of God this evening, and I ask you to uh, help us to be, help me to be clear, uh, concise in my thinking and presentation, I'd ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So the, um, the first one I want us to look at, if you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verses 24 through 28, we're going to read there in a moment. But the first one is that we to, uh, if you want to have that day-to-day success, we need to own the issues of the day and recognize that problems and struggles are normal. We live in a society today where everybody just feels like there's that entitled mentality. There's that don't bother me mentality. Um, uh, we work, my wife works with uh, uh, sort of a customer service at times. And, and people come in and they are so easily offended. Uh, something goes wrong. Um, I, I didn't, my coffee wasn't made just right. Uh, you know, oh, the, the, the sandwich didn't have mayonnaise. We were sitting, or we were in um, a Cracker Barrel about a week or so ago. And I, uh, we were just sitting there waiting, and, and I saw the lady that was waiting on us. Was, um, she was, seemed to me that she was taking care of a lot of tables. I don't know if they were understaffed or not. But the, uh, the, uh, there was a couple sitting over to the side, and I see the lady eating, but the man's not eating. You know, just wasn't thinking anything about it. And then when somebody came over finally at the end, I see the lady packing up her food, and I hear him complaining. He didn't eat his food because they didn't bring him gravy. I'm like, so you leave your whole meal there? It's like, you know, sometimes what happens is these littlest things, they set us off and we think, look at problems and struggles are a normal and everyday aspect of our lives and we have to own them. We have, to, we have to be responsible for them. We have to take care of them uh, before they become an overwhelming problem. And sometimes, listen, there can be things that we've got so many different things coming at us at the same time that they can be overwhelming. But one of the things that we need to do when that's happening is we need to take all of those problems that are coming at us and sort them out one by one because you can't handle all of them at one time. You can't handle every difficulty that's coming by. I, uh, a week or two ago, I was talking to a young man, and, uh, and that was happening to him. Uh, all of these different aspects of life were coming at him, and, and struggles and issues that were taking place. And then he was notified that he was going to take a financial hit. And he's on a tight budget, and I said, well, let's, let's look at some things together. So I started writing down, tell me how much you make. Tell me your expenditures and trying to do a quick little budget for him. And his concern was he's got to eat. He's got to have food. And, and that was the area that was going to get hit. So we looked at some stuff and I said, well, wait a minute. So I got out my phone and I, I went online and I checked a couple of things. And, and I started asking him some questions. I got him an insurance quote. And in 30 minutes, we saved him $200 a month. And that was the food budget that he was going to lose. 
So we took all of those problems and we broke them down to smaller manageable things and addressed one of them, which now goes away, and then you can face the others. We have to own those issues that come up every day, not just, uh, not just throw the blanket over our head and run away screaming and be like, I, I just can't deal with this. No, you have to deal with it because they're not going away. The problems are going to be there. So, so if you want to have uh, a daily success, you need to own the issues of the day. I, I've, I've had times where uh, I was talking to someone recently, and, um, and it caused me to go back and look at some things during the day. Uh, I had been on the phone all day, and I was talking to customers and doing different things, and I had a pile of different meetings that day. And I went back at the end of the day, and I counted how many phone calls that I had fielded that day, aside from all these other things. It was 70 phone calls that day of problems with customers, dealing with different things. And, and uh, sometimes I'll have that happening, and I'll be sitting at my desk with so many different things, and I'll be like, Lord, what do I do? And the Lord will be like, one at a time, start doing them, and it works every time. I break those problems down to little manageable tasks, and I find, boom, there's one. It's done. It's off the plate. There's another. Boom. It's off the plate. There's another. Boom. It's off the plate. We need to own the issues of the day, recognizing that problems or struggles are normal. Second Corinthians, look at Second uh, Corinthians 11. 24 through 28, of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Now look at this one. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Does that sound like your day? doesn't sound like my days at all. And what did Paul say later about, I've stayed the course, I've finished my race, and he stuck with it. And we want to, at the, at the first sign of trouble oftentimes, we want to throw our hands up. If we're going to have successful day-to-day living, we need to own the issues, we need to address the issues, and then we move on uh, from there. Let's look at number two. Number one, own the issues of the day. Recognize that problems and struggles are normal. There's nothing abnormal about it. And the scripture says that there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. My problem may not be exactly like David's problem. David's may not be like Jacob's. Jacob's may not be exactly like Reggie's, but there's a commonality to all of our problems. Um, The second one, let's make no excuse for our behavior. Make no excuse for our behavior. We have become a society that is so fast at finger-pointing My problem is because of you. No, most times our problems are self-inflicted because of things we do or ways we behave or attitudes that we have. uh, They're they're self-inflicted. But we should make no excuses uh, for our behavior. We need to own up to things. We need to do that. Uh, I had had to do that, uh, I think it might have been yesterday. I won't mention anybody's name, but I, I did something that I felt I offended somebody. 
And I don't know if I really did or not, but I, I think I did. because I, I made, And then I made an excuse for it about the busyness and things like that. So I'm working at my desk, and I'm thinking about this principle. Make no excuses for your behavior. I picked up the phone. I called the person. I said, listen. <laughs> I said, I, I need to apologize for that. And I said, here's part of it. I'm thinking about my message for tomorrow night. Make no excuses for your behavior. And I said, you know, being busy is no excuse for me to be curt. And I, I didn't need to do that. And anyway, uh, but we make no excuses for our behavior. And I said, boy, if I don't take care of this, how do, I, how do you stand in church tomorrow night and say, uh, don't make excuses for your behavior if you're making excuses for your very own behavior? Uh, Genesis chapter 3 and uh, verse 9 through 13 Now, I took a chance tonight, and I didn't put markers in my Bible except at one book. You know what happens when you do that? You can't find, like, Genesis. Where'd it go? (laughs) Genesis chapter. And what Jacob said about you get up here and you can't remember people's names. Oh, yeah. You know, you think it's age-related. I think it's just, you know, I don't like to call this stage, but I think it's just stage fright. But uh, this is not a stage. Um, But make no excuses for your behavior. Genesis uh, Three, nine, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Uh, hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, Oh, here we go. The woman whom thou gavest to me to, uh, to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And then we see, you know, we know the, the account there, but it's, 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 what is that? It's excuses for our behavior. I can remember one time somebody got really angry, uh, and they came to me and were telling me about uh, God not taking care of them. And um, I said, well, what happened? And when they told me that they gave their money to someone else, I was like, well, wait a minute. God provided that for you and then you were foolish with it and did something that you you know just felt like you should wanted to do and now you can't pay your rent well how does that work together <laughs> that's you know it's a silly decision so we we want to be careful about making excuses for our behavior look over at um, uh, proverbs chapter 28 And if you get there before me, don't read it out loud. Now, I'm starting to think that putting markers in my Bible would have been good, but Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. We don't have to go to each other and say, here's what's going wrong with my behavior. We talk to God about that. But this idea here of uh, covering our sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsaken them. When you look that up, it's that attitude almost of a wringing of the hands in concern over the way I behaved. It's, it's bringing us distress. It's, it's causing us uh, 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 to be uncomfortable and it's like, oh, Lord, I, I've got to take care of this. 
But oftentimes what we do, oh, we just make an excuse. I did this because of what you did to me. No, 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 I, I don't control you. When we allow people to, when, when we respond in certain ways, that's allowing someone else to have control of us. The scripture says that he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. It doesn't say he that hath the Holy Spirit control. No, we have a measure of control that you and I have to have. He that hath no rule over his own spirit. We need to be careful. We don't want to make excuses for our behavior. Number three, look for scriptural principles to apply to every situation. Look for scriptural principles to apply for every situation. And we mentioned before that, you know, my, uh, my difficulty and my problem may not be exactly like yours. But look at how many times have you heard this, and I've seen people call this, this is the owner's manual. You ever, you ever read the owner's manual on your vehicle? Regrettably, I do things like that, yes. Uh, I've read the owner's manual. I read about doing all sorts of things that I already know how to do already. But here's the owner's manual. And, and when we find, we build a habit of looking for a scriptural principle to apply in every situation that comes up. How do I handle this? What do I do? Look at Proverbs chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter 2. Verses 1 through 9. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and shalt find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness, which is the doing of right, and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. Look for scriptural principles to every situation. There's always something. Parents, let me, let me give you a little clue here. Sometimes in dealing with uh, your children, you say, what do I need to teach my youngster? My, what do I need to teach my son? What do I need to teach my daughter? If you go into the book of Proverbs, I believe there's 23 different areas where in the book of Proverbs it says, my son. And then teaches the person that it's written to, teaches that person one of these principles about women, for men, about dating, about finances, about work about money, all of these different principles. So if you're wondering as a, as a mom and dad, what do I teach my children? Well, just go to the book of Proverbs, find those 23 areas of my sons and start there. Start teaching them from that area. But we need to look for scriptural principles to apply in every situation. It's going to smooth out so many areas of life when we just go, well, here's what the word of God says. Let me just apply that. See, the word of God is guaranteed to work and it's guaranteed to work every time. And the principles that God's established, you know, when, when we read about the judgments of God, well, see how I said that? The judgments of God. We think, oh, it's God pouring out his wrath on someone. No, 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 no. The judgments of God oftentimes are, here's what I think about things. Here's how to handle situations. Here's my judgment on them. Here's my determination on what you should do. And we just have to look at those, and then we have an answer for what to do. Look for scriptural principles to apply in every situation. Number four, call out to your heavenly Father, the source of all wisdom. Uh, James chapter uh, 1, James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, 
Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Well, everything? Yeah, everything. He is the source of all wisdom. He's the source of all instruction. Now, there are times, you know, there are times where I go, I don't need to pray about this situation. <gasps> Imagine that. Why? Because there's principles already established in the word of God. You don't have to pray about them. Just, it was, remember when, uh, uh, when the children of Israel uh, uh, were going in, was it Ai, and then they got defeated there because they had, there was sin, and, and uh, is it Moses was praying, I think, or I don't know if it was Moses or Joshua, one of you Bible people know that. Um, but, and, and God says, well, what are you doing? What, what are you praying? Get up. You know what's wrong. There's sin in the camp, you know. But uh, we need to call out to our Heavenly Father, the source of all wisdom, uh, and we see that here. You say, well, does that work all the time? Yeah, it always works. Um, one of the things I like about um, uh, having newer people in church and, and families is that for us who have been here for many years and have been teaching, I can tell you the same stories, and they're new to you, and you don't know it. And for the people who've been here a long time and they're older like me, we don't remember them. So it's like, eh, whatever. They don't know if I'm repeating myself or not, you know, but... I remember this one time I was dealing with a, an attorney. Uh, actually, the husband was an attorney and the wife was an attorney. And I was dealing with some things, and I made a mistake at their house. I, I, I drilled a hole in a wrong place through the outside of the house, and it didn't pass inspection. I was not shirking my responsibility. I realized it after the fact, and I was going to do whatever I had to do to do it, to, to, to take care of it. And we were going back and forth, and I was offering them all these options of how to go about solving this problem that I created. And at one point, he sent me a lawyerly letter, email. And I was like, listen, I can give it back to you just as good as you're giving it to me. But I, I, I just said, no. I said, Lord, I'm not going to say anything right now because I am not gonna, I'm not going to respond to this letter in the right fashion. I said, Lord, I'm not going to... I'm not going to respond to this email until you tell me what I should say. About 30 minutes later, the Lord told me just write to him and say, I don't know, if for some reason I'm thinking his name's Richard, but I'm going to say Richard, but it may not have been. Uh, I said, Richard, all I want to do is make this right. That's it. Just those words. I get a phone call right after that. Jim, I'm really blowing this up. Let's just make it right. Where'd that wisdom come from? I wanted to blast him just like he blasted me. You know, I was like, okay, I'll show you that I can say some things too. Now, I wouldn't be foul or anything, but I could, I could be adamant about stuff. But where does something like that come from? Our Heavenly Father. He's got that wisdom from above. You want that, you want that day-to-day uh, success? We'll start implementing some of the scriptural principles uh, in your life. Let's look at number five. Number five, remember that we live amongst an unseen spiritual battle. We live among an unseen spiritual battle. Now, I have to be honest with you, Daniel was the book that I put my marker in. But uh, Daniel chapter 10, Daniel chapter 10, and it's really most of the chapter um, it said, let me read from verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine into my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. 
And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is uh, Hydeca, I believe, then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded uh, with fine gold of Uthaz. His body was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire. Sounds like something we've seen in the book of Revelation. And his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And he talks about seeing the vision. And he goes on, and uh, where is it? In um, verse 12, Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. So here's, here we have uh, Daniel praying, and for three weeks the messenger of God is trying to come to him and tell him, What's going on? But he says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I'm come to understand that we see he's going to go back and battle some more. But what happens is you and I oftentimes forget that there's that unseen spiritual battle that is going on all around us. You remember, was it with uh, Elisha and, or Gehazi? Uh, is that Elisha or Elijah? Those two. And, uh, and God, you know, he says, open his eyes that he can see, and, and he sees all the host of God all about. We, we oftentimes think, oh, you know, I, I watch those scary movies, and it's all, sp-. no, no. There's, there's really spiritual battles that are going on behind the scenes all the time. We just don't see them, and we have to remember that. Our battle's not with each other. We may think oftentimes our battle's with each other, but it's just the, the enemy's object is to divide and conquer. If I can keep you mad at you and you mad at them and you bothered with this person and the way they didn't talk to me or all of those kind of things, there's an unseen spiritual battle that's going on. Uh, look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. There's always something going on in the background. I was mentioning to Joanne the other day about a time that um, um, I, I, I came to do some work upstairs and, and uh, things were going on. And I, I put down a, uh, a songbook or a book and somebody yelled at me because I didn't face the songbook the right direction. Now, it was that same thing, what happens, that area that we get stirred up, and I, I said, I'm going to be quiet, and I did. I said to Joanne, I thought when that happened, the person who just said that to me is under stress. They're having a difficult time. That's not how they normally behave. Just let it go. Just take it easy and let it go. Because why? There's a spiritual battle going on. And it, was, it was actually a preparation for a preacher's conference. And, and there's a spiritual battle going on in the background that, if boy, if I can get Jim angry at this other person and then they have words right before, you know, you don't know. We have to keep in mind there is an unseen spiritual battle going on. Uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. 
and verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, all I'm pointing out here is the unseen. There's always the unseen, and we want to be careful on how we handle that. Look over, uh, let's look at number six. Number six. I think you've got, um, were there papers given out that you can jot some of these down? Hopefully they'll be uh, uh, easy to, uh, to remember. But forsake behaviors, forsake behaviors that weigh you down. How about this one? Just in case, I'm, I'm holding my phone. I mean, I look at this stuff and go, okay, there's probably nothing wrong. I mean, I use my phone, I use my electronics a lot. But is it just a weight, you know? Does it keep you from something else? Can I, I you know what, can I give you my opinion on something too? I'm, I'm, I'm personally not a fan of reading my Bible on my phone. And the reason is then because my phone is what I read. I read the news on, I text, I emails, I conduct my business, I do everything else, and my reading my Bible just becomes, oh, it's just an, another thing that I do. No. I want to sit down with the Word of God and have the Word of God in my hand where it becomes precious to me. It's something different about sitting there with my Bible and reading it like that. Um, that was free. It wasn't one of the uh, ten principles for daily success. Um, but we need to beha- be, uh, forsake behaviors that weigh us down. First Corinthians uh, ten twenty-three. They moved it. No, actually, I'm standing here thinking. Uh, I can't see the clock in the back, so I don't know what time it is. Um, I just can't make out the, the uh, time, so that sort of distracted me. First uh, Corinthians 10:23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. There are some things that are just they're just a weight. They're just they just slow us down. I remember I, I did a message some years ago. Are, are you a weight or a warrior? Are you, are you holding things back? Are you holding things down? Sometimes what we do is we just have to look at our life and see what type of things are, uh, are holding us back, what type of things are holding us down. Look over at um, um, Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Hebrews 12:1. Wherefore, seeing we are also, uh, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We need to be, we need to forsake behaviors that are weighing us down. I can remember uh, we had a deacon here, uh, Norman Abbey. Many of you know him. Uh, he founded River Valley. The Lord used him to found, found uh, River Valley Baptist Church. And now he's in the, uh, uh, dealing in Pennsylvania, I think it's care ministry, where they go into the convalescent homes or uh, elderly care centers, and he's preaching the gospel to a forgotten people here in our country. Um, but I can remember one time uh, he, was, um, 
he was into, um, what would you call it, like antique armor, uh, military-style weapons and different things like that, just as a collecting, uh, collecting them and having them. And, uh, and at one point, the Lord told him, that's a weight. He had collected these for I don't know how many years, but the Lord told him, that's a weight. And it was before he was called the pastor and before he was called to preach. And, and he just, is there anything wrong with him? No. But for him, the Lord told him that's a weight and you need to get rid of all of those. And sometimes we need to look at ourselves and, and say, you know, is this behavior weighing me down? Is, is four hours a day doing this causing me any problems? We have to be careful. I have a, uh, I've told this account before, I have a chair in my uh, family room. Now the problem is I'm so OCD, my wife moves my chair around and it just drives me nuts because it's like not in the exact spot. I have a little game that I play with Brother Scarpetti right now because he constantly checks the door on my car. And if I leave my car unlocked, he moves my seat. And it never gets back to right where it's supposed to be, you know. But every now and then, he leaves his car unlocked. But see, I'm kind and gracious because I said, boy, if I ever move his seat, I'll, um, I, he might get hurt because if he tries to get in. So the other day, I, he left his car unlocked. I got somebody else to sit in the seat, and I took a picture of it. And then I sent it to him. He didn't even know it was his car. I'm like, so much for, you know. I'm like, oh, come on. But, but the, the weight. Here's what happens. So I know that if, if, if that, back to that chair story at home, if I go and sit in that chair, I'm going to turn on the TV. And if I turn on the TV, I might sit there for two or three hours. So that chair has become a weight. So what I have to do is I have a principle ahead of time. If I don't want to watch TV, don't sit in that chair. Because I know if I sit in the chair, I'm turning it on. So if I don't, you know what? If I don't sit in the chair... I'm fine. I don't get it. But, you know, I mean, that's the way things are. So we need to forsake behaviors. Um, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move a little quicker. I did put my phone here. We'll be done soon. Um, number seven, quickly go to God rather than allow your spirit and emotions to remain stirred up. Control your tongue. You can't help. Emotions, emotions are going to happen. Somebody, you say something to somebody, somebody says something else, any of those things. Things are going to happen, but you, it's how do you respond to them. Do you let the emotion control you, or do you control the emotion? And, and listen, words, look through the Word of God, look through the Scriptures, and find words are powerful, powerful weapons that can be hurting somebody or building them up. I remember the, I'll, I'll be careful here, um, Jeffrey Dahmer being interviewed one time said, I had a teacher in sixth grade who told me I was worthless and I'd never be anything and I believed her. Words, <laughs> I think Brother Scarpetti quotes one, and I, I'll get it wrong, but it talks about life and death is in the power of the tongue. We have to be so careful when our spirit and emotions get stirred up, that we just keep our mouth closed for a little while until things settle down. Um, I know, you know, count to 10, count to 12, whatever. No, it's Lord, help me. 
Help me to fulfill the scripture here where it says that I need to have control or I need to have rule over my own spirit. We need to go to God and, and, and uh, allow him uh, to do that. But quickly go to God rather than allow your spirit and emotions to be stirred up. James chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 8. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, this means mature, and able also to bridle the whole body. You, you get to that spot where you can control your tongue. God says you, get to, you can control your tongue. You can control a whole lot of the rest of you. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on the fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame, it is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, uh, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. Uh, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. When, we get, when that emotion gets stirred up, it's going to happen. It happens to us often. We just have to be right at that moment. It's bite your tongue, walk away, do whatever you have to do because you, you can't take those words back. You can't take those things said in that moment to your child, um, you know, to, and to, to your spouse. Boy, those hurts. Those hurts can run very deep for a very long time. We need to be careful about allowing our spirit and emotions to remain stirred up. They will get stirred up. There's no doubt they're going to get stirred up. It's but you control them. Don't let them control you. Number eight. Live with a forgiving attitude towards the past and the present. I was thinking about this earlier tonight, and I said, what is it that we should um, forgive? And I thought, everything. Everything. Absolutely everything. What did God do for us? Everything. He forgave everything. We need to do the same. You don't know what my parents have done to me. I don't care. I'm sorry. If, if you're going to be Christ-like in spirit, you're going to find a way to forgive. I had a, uh, well, I had somebody many years ago um, that I did a job for, a member of our church. I don't think I was even in business yet. I made, you know, $5 an hour at the time, and, and I did a $5,000 job for this family. And they were having issues behind the scene, and I, you know, just whatever, you won't know them. Um, it was a long, long time ago. So they paid me part of the money, and then they didn't pay me the other. I see, hey, brother, that's been happening for years, huh? So they didn't pay me, and then it became difficult, because why? I see them three times a week or more. And I finally, I, I, I just said, Lord, I'm going to forgive them this debt. 
I'm, gonna, I'm just done. I took the hurt. I'm going to forgive it. I, 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 I didn't have a problem when I saw them. I would talk to them, but I could see every week. It was like avoidance, you know, that avoidance thing. So I forgave them the debt just between me and the Lord. I'm fine. About a year later, the husband came to me. I never told them. I said, Lord, I'm not going to tell them that I forgave the debt. I'm just telling you I forgave the debt. And about a year later, the husband came to me and he said, hey, I found out um, that, that when I, you didn't get the money that I set aside for you to get paid. Um, he said, I'll take care of it. Then I told him that the debt had been forgiven. Everything. We, look at I don't care how bad somebody's treated you, forgive. You know why? It sets you free. It doesn't do a thing. Those, that family who owed me money spent the next year avoiding me, wondering what I was thinking. I'm sure the Spirit of God was pricking their heart about those things, but I lived in absolute freedom during that year while they didn't. Freedom, and for, excuse me, I lived in freedom, but forgiveness is for us, not for them. It, it really does. It sets us free. And you know what happens when it sets us free? Yeah, you know. Then we can minister to others so much better. Rose knows. Uh, number nine, live in the present moment. Victory is determined by how we handle today. Live in the present. Listen, too many of us spend our lives regretting all those things back there. Remember what Paul said? Forgetting those things which are behind. I press forward towards, I press towards the mark of the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, live in the present moment. Victory is determined by how we handle today. I had that, that same young man who had, wanted me to help him a little bit with his finances. I knew he was struggling one day, and he decided to come to church. And I said to him, you don't recognize what a big decision that made. You feel like, oh, I just came to church. no. You, that was a step towards a victory because you determined and you did the right thing. Live in the present moment. Victory wasn't determined by how you acted all day or all these things. Victory was determined when you said, I'm going to go to where God wants me to be. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Uh, live in the present moment. Look at the, the things that happened back there. I don't know that I can really change any of them. But I can, they impact me right this moment and how I'm doing today. Because I see I can't live tomorrow. I don't know that I have a tomorrow. I can't change some of the things that I did yesterday. But right this moment, we can live in victory. Live in the present moment. Victory is determined. And the last one, nothing we face takes God by surprise. Nothing. Nothing happens to you during the day that God doesn't know about. Nothing happens to you that God isn't fully aware of. I'm not going to, you can look at these scriptures. You can look them up a little later. Uh, I think one of them in, uh, is it in uh, Isaiah, talks about the ancient and how he knows the end from the beginning. If he knows the end of the situation from the beginning, then he knows every detail in the middle of it. Nothing we face takes us by surprise. So number one, own the issues of the day. Two, make no excuses for our behavior. Three, look for scriptural principles to apply. Four, call out to your heavenly father. He's the source of all wisdom. Five, remember that we live amongst an unseen spiritual battle. Six, forsake behaviors that weigh you down. Seven, quickly go to God rather than allowing your spirit and emotions to be continue to be stirred up. No, that's where you keep your tongue. Uh, you, you bite your tongue and keep that in control. 
number eight, live with a forgiving attitude towards the past and present. It frees you. Live in the present moment. Victory is determined by how you handle this situation. And number ten, nothing we face takes God by surprise. He knew everything, and he does. Let's, uh, let's pray. My Father, I do ask that you take these simple little areas. Um, yes, we look at the Word of God, and it has it. But I, I love when the Word of God, for me, is practical. And these are, these are principles that I wrote down uh, a number of years ago. I don't remember even when, uh, Lord, but uh, I try. I don't always fulfill them. I don't always handle all of those properly. But they're little helps to me that make the Christian life uh, um, a little easier. So, Holy Spirit of God, I do pray that as we go from here this evening, uh, that maybe one of them, maybe just one little thought, uh, would be an encouragement to another and be a help to another. Uh, Father, we're grateful for all that you do. Thank you for this evening. We ask that you bless as everybody leaves here uh, and heads home. Give Pastor and Angela, I I believe they're in a uh, service somewhere else this evening, uh, coming home either later tonight or tomorrow. Lord, I do pray that they've had a wonderful couple of days together. We'd ask in Jesus' name. Amen.